بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده النبيل اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وسلموا شريف اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد We all know that once we leave this world and we are placed in our graves we all know we believe we understand that we'll be approached by angels appointed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ask us certain questions and this will be kind of the test of our life and when you look a test paper, an exam, an assessment. It kind of helps you. Why, why do people have mock tests? You look at pre previous papers or those going for maybe a driving test. You look through the theory book and you look at what kind of questions they could potentially ask and what kind of questions are asked. And that helps you to prepare for the actual test and it also gives you an idea of what is the knowledge and the understanding that is required to pass this particular test when we study the questions that will be asked in the grave one of the questions will be according to the various narrations so one variation says one question will be Man who is your prophet who is your prophet and other variations say, Ma fi rajul. A person will be asked regarding the Prophet And the question that is asked is, Ma fi rajul. Or Ma fi nabi. What information can you give regarding this man? A person will be shown, possibly some of the scholars mentioned, the Prophet or asked directly regarding the Prophet and the question in the grave will be asked is What do you have to say? What information can you give regarding this particular man? Now, that's going to happen in our graves. And our success and failure will be based on how well or how not well we're able to ask, answer this particular question. Now that's going to happen when it happens in the grave may Allah make it successful and make it easy for us but now whilst we are alive if somebody came and asked me or asked you that particular question what will you answer if I ask you now or if you ask me now what can you tell me regarding this man this is something that's going to this applies to everybody here today is not a talk class for youth not for ladies, not just for men, not for those who are praying, those who are not praying, those not giving zakat. Sometimes some talks are directed at certain groups. This is something that is going to be asked to every single person, whether you are young or old, male or female. 
new in Islam, been practicing Islam for 30, 40 years, or you're about to drop dead. It applies to everybody. Every single person is going to be asked this question. What do you have to say regarding this man? What information can you give? What detail are you aware of in regards to this particular man? Do you know him? What would we respond? How would we respond? Imagine somebody asked you now, imagine the angel asked you, you had a mock test, and look, we're just preparing you for the grave. So the angels come and visit you, and they ask you this question. What would we say? Do we have anything to say? How much could we say? Keeping this in mind, it's imperative, it's necessary, it's vital for every single Muslim, male or female, young or old, whether you're new in Islam or you've been practicing Islam for years and years. It's vital, it's absolutely necessary and an incumbent part of our Sharia, Allah would go as far as to say an obligation for every single one of us to study the seerah and the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa when we say the word seerah, you will have heard the word seerah many times. Seerah comes from the Arabic sara yasiru, means to travel, to move, to go from one place to the other, to journey. And then we started using this because this is a life's journey. And it could be the seerah, anybody, your seerah, somebody else's seerah. And now we use the word seerah means biography. And because it's become so popular now, whenever anybody says the word seerah, automatically we mean the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So this is something that is absolutely necessary for us to do, for our own success. Now, in studying the seerah and understanding the seerah, up until now, some of us might think, I've already done that. Well, I'm already familiar with it. There's been certain mistakes that we've been making when it comes to the seerah. Number one, the first two things I'm going to speak about and then move on to speaking about why it's so important to study and understand the seerah of the Prophet The mistake that we've made is, up until now, a lot of us have read or heard or maybe discussed elements of the seerah, not the complete seerah, I doubt there is anybody sitting here who has studied the seerah in its entirety from beginning to end. Is there anyone? Because without doing that, without doing that, nobody can claim that you've understood Islam. We claim to be people who are adherents of the Islamic faith. We claim to represent the faith of Islam. We claim to be people of Islam. Whereas the greatest part of Islam is the seerah. He came to show us what Islam was. What he did was Islam. But if we haven't studied and know of his life from beginning to end, that just shows how less of Islam we actually know. What we do know is a lot of culture. What we do know is some information. What we do know is maybe parts of Islam, but that might not even be in the right context, which I'm going to speak about very shortly. So the two main mistakes that we've made when it comes to studying the seerah of the Prophet Number one, we've limited it to a dry study of facts. A dry study of facts. So you pick up a book, okay, you learn some names, 
Okay, Muhammad Abdullah, Hashim, Abdul Muttalib, Abu Talib, and then Amina, Khadija, Aisha, Sauda. It's a dry study of facts, so it's just names, places. So we've got Makkah, we've got Medina, we've got Yathrib, and then we've got the journey to Ashar. So these are just names of some places, okay? And then it's certain events, okay, the event of the elephant, and then the event of the Kaaba, the event of the marriage, and then we've got certain dates, okay? First year of Hijrah, second year of Hijrah, third year of Hijrah, tenth year of Hijrah. We've limited the Sira study to dry study of facts, where we've got some names, some dates, some events, some places, and we feel that I've done my study of the Sira. I'm not saying that's not important. Of course it, of course it is. I don't want to trivialize that aspect of it. But that's not the Sira. The seal is much more than that. That's like just some information, which is also important, but that's not the seal. That's, that's the first mistake we've made when it comes to the seal. So if my and your study and understanding of the seal of the Prophet has been this kind of understanding, which probably most of us fall into this category, we've got a lot of work to do. Secondly, some people have studied parts of the seerah but they've studied it only as a narrative, as a narrative. When it's studied as a narrative, it becomes more like a fairy tale. So many, many years ago, in a faraway land in Arabia, there was this man, his name was Muhammad. This is what he did. This is how he lived. This is how he preached. And that was then and this is now. That kind of narrative, what happens is, it's not relatable. You don't feel you have anything in common. It becomes just a narrative. How can that apply to me? Now, both of these things are important. You can't just have a narrative without having names and places. And, and in the same way, you can't just have dry information and not have a flow. Because we're human beings, we like a narrative. So both of these things are important. But we can't limit the understanding of the seerah on just these two things. Now if we open the Quran again and again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inviting it. For example, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed in the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed in the Messenger of Allah is a complete role model for you. Is a complete role model for you. Now, in order to understand the Prophet as a role model, we have to truly immerse ourselves in the study of his entire life and his biography. Not just certain facts that we pick and choose from here and there. That's not going to give us a holistic picture. That's going to give us a glimpse into his life, but it won't give us a true understanding. Another thing is many of our understandings, much of our understanding, of Islam is based on hadith. Now hadith is important, it's an integral part of the Sharia. But when you hear a hadith, when you hear a hadith, you hear a statement. Remember, you don't always get the context. You don't always get the context. Many a times what happens is we sometimes in the gathering narrate a story from the life of the Prophet So this is part of his biography, his seerah. And then we bring in a famous hadith that we always hear and say, this is where this hadith was mentioned. And you just see people's faces like, 
oh really? We've never seen it in this light. So what happens is you hear certain narrations and you've been hearing them, but you're hearing it and understanding it in your personal context or the context of the person that's explained it to you or in the current context and the, and, 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 and the culture that we're living in. And we kind of understand it in that way. Whereas if we understood the seerah and studied and learned the life of the Prophet from beginning to end, not just facts, not just names of places and dates, but his day-to-day -day life from the time he was born, well prior to him being born, what kind of place he was born in, what was the background, what was the culture of the people, what was the understanding, what did he go through, did he have any emotions, what did he do? How did he interact with people? What was his, not just about his prayer and his fasting, because we live a 24 hour life, son, and we've been told to follow him in absolutely everything. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Whatever he tells you to abstain from, abstain from it. That wasn't just regarding the prayer and charity and fasting and the zakat and then going for hajj. It was to do with absolutely everything. So to understand Islam, if we are only going for hadith, which generally this is the understanding that we have, it's, it's, it, that's a, like a technical source. It's like using a textbook. We, we need a deeper understanding. And similarly, another benefit of studying the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, in today's climate especially, with the youth that are growing up, we need to understand what kind of environment are we growing, growing up in. Now the youth, they're used to things like the Marvel superheroes, okay, Spider-Man, Superman, all this kind of stuff. And what tends to happen is when we speak about these kind of stories and tell them there were prophets that existed and they had certain miracles and they did, they, they did this and they did that. A youngster growing up today, Billah, I don't want to compare because there is no comparison. These are fictional stories, they don't, they're not true. And you cannot compare anyone to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But I'm trying to give you an understanding of what the youth of today are growing up with. What kind of information they are used to. And if we continue just sharing information the way we are doing and not study the seerah as we ought to in detail, this is what will happen. They will look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Prophets and Sahaba, like some kind of superheroes that were great people. They had a lot of power. Okay, like Spider-Man got bit by a spider and that's it, he became Spider-Man and nobody else can become like that. So you, you idolize them, you think they're great, but that's about it. There is no commonality. You cannot relate. Whereas the Prophet wasallam, when you study his life in detail, when you study the seerah, do you know what really comes out? The more you study his life in detail, the greatest thing that you find is you see his human side. He was the greatest, he was the most perfect. But at the end of the day, he was a human. He was married, he had children, he had troubles. He would sleep in the night as well. He would become hungry as well. There were days when he was down as well. People would say things, he would feel hurt as well. Things that you and I can relate with on a daily basis. When we sometimes just look at it from a very simplistic, just looking at the hadith, sometimes you don't see, you don't come across that emotion. You don't come across that real life human side. We tend to think, oh, he was someone and we are somebody else. Of course he was great. But at the end of the day, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent him. 
to be a practical demonstration of Islam. Islam is the seerah, the seerah is Islam. Islam is the seerah, the seerah is Islam. You cannot separate them. If I have not studied the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, I have not understood Islam. Simple as that. Some of you might find this offensive. Some of you might be thinking, hey, you know, we thought we, know, we knew Islam. This is the truth. It cannot be hidden. I am not going to shy away from this truth. And I'm addressing myself. I'm addressing myself because every single one of us need to study the seerah in its entirety. And once is that enough? There's so much depth into it. 23 years of prophethood. This is what Islam is. And we're required to love him. The hadith says you cannot become a perfect believer until you don't love the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam more than your parents, more than your children, more than the rest of mankind and more than yourself. How can you love someone without even knowing them? How can you love someone so much without even knowing them? The greatest benefit of the seerah is the moment you start reading and wallahi al-azim. I don't know anybody who has read the seerah and not fell in love with him. Non-Muslims, Orientalists, people who had doubts about Islam. When they, when they were, to, you know, people deal with doubts in different ways. I know somebody, and this was a fitna which started some time ago and it's still existing today, where people say, Quran is enough. We don't need the Sunnah. We don't need the Seerah. The Quran is enough. <laughs> Just a very simple way to rebuke that is, the Quran tells you to pray. The Quran tells you to pray. But how do you pray? Very, this is a very simplistic answer. The Quran tells us to pray. Okay, before the sun rises, pray before the sun sets, for example. How do we pray? How many rakat are there? The Quran doesn't tell you about doing ruku and what to read in ruku and then you stand up and then you go down again and it doesn't tell you Fajr has two and Dahar has four and Maghrib has three. The Quran doesn't tell you all that. Where do we get that from? We get that from the hadith, the sunnah of the Prophet And the seerah is a compilation of all of this. And if I go a step further, it is impossible to understand the Quran without understanding the seerah. When the Sahaba would go to the mother of the believers, Aisha radiallahu anha, and ask her, tell us about the Prophet describe him to us. What would she say? He was like a walking, talking Quran. He was the Quran. You want to understand the Quran? You have to understand the entire life of the Prophet And in simple words, this is the seerah. Not just reading a hadith from here and there. You need the context. You need the context. And when we understand the context, it's life changing. You know, some time ago, I heard about, um, uh, uh, there was a revert somewhere in America. And he came into the masjid. When he came into the masjid, now this gives an idea of context and, and understanding the seerah. A very simple example. He came into the masjid and some people, he overheard some people talking about him in a bad way. And they were commenting on his hair. He had really long hair, right? And unfortunately, we are also the same. If somebody walks into the masjid and they've got quite, their hair is really long, a lot of us would just look at them. Okay, we might not say anything, but we just look at them several times. Some of us might pass a comment here and there. It just so happened in that particular masjid. Quite a few people were talking about it and it became a discussion and he overheard them. He felt so down, he just he was new in Islam. He felt like, what have, I, what have I done wrong? 
And you want to try and keep up an image as well. He goes, that same day I went home, I was really depressed and I shaved my hair off. He goes, later on that same evening, he goes, I picked up a book about the Prophet and I read in there that the Prophet had very long hair. At times it would even reach his shoulders. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And I thought, what is going on? That's not Islam. So what we are telling people, what, just because we're used to something, that doesn't necessarily mean it's Islam. I'll give you another example. Many people today are discouraged from Islam, from Muslims, from masjids, from madrasas, from maulanas, from imams, from sheikhs. Why? Because when they were growing up, they had a very difficult time when they were studying and learning the Quran and the Sunnah. Maybe because they were beaten, maybe they were scolded, maybe they were shouted at. Okay? And now what happens is we tend to think that if you ever need to teach the Quran, you have to beat somebody up. We've linked these two things together. Is that Islamic? Is that what the Prophet ﷺ did? No. But we, this is what we've taken. So this is, the, this is what we, and we kind of look at this as something that's Islamic. It's not Islamic. If you study the seerah, you will learn the Prophet ﷺ never hit anybody. He never hit a woman. He never hit a child. Let alone hit a child. He never scolded anybody. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. To the extent we learn from the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Bedouin comes in Masjid Nabwi and in a corner he stood up and he started urinating. In the Masjid. Imagine someone now was to come in and urinate. He started urinating in the Masjid. Sahaba thought, whoa, like, what are you doing? They tried to stop him and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, leave him, leave him. And they let him finish. He let him finish because he knew he's a human being. Someone's urinating. Okay, he related, he was a real person. He was an fictional character. He wasn't some kind of Hulk, incredible Hulk, that's got certain powers and cannot relate to the people. This was a real person that understood real people. And he was sent for the whole of mankind. This is the difference between the previous prophets and the Prophet The message of the Prophet The prophethood of the Prophet The methodology of the Prophet is universal. The previous prophets came selected for nations, for certain people. Their ways, whether it be Jesus, whether it be Moses, whether it be Abraham, they were great, they were amazing. But their time period, their methodology, their ways, they were limited. The Prophet ﷺ regarding him says in the Quran, He was sent for the whole of mankind. Ya nas, inni ilaykum jamia. O people, I have been sent to all of you. Rahmatan lil'alameen. He was a mercy for the whole of mankind. 1400 years and still counting. It doesn't matter who you are, whichever walk of life you are from, his message is universal. It applies to everybody and it's never going to become outdated. The Prophet Wasallam's term will never become outdated. And there is no prophet, or should I say no man, no individual in the whole of history whose life has been so intricately documented than the life of the Prophet Wasallam. Is each feature of his, each action of his, each statement of his, each everything he did has been documented, not once, not twice, several times, and has reached us through a very strong transmission. And it's upon us now to embrace this and to try and understand the life of the Prophet ﷺ. So the Prophet ﷺ, as I said, we've been told to love him. How can you love somebody 
who you don't even know. So look at his interaction with his women, his interaction with the children, his interaction as a teacher, his interaction as a father. We, this is what you will see. When you start studying the seerah, you will see somebody beyond, beyond just the text. You will see somebody who was very loving, was very caring, was very real. Somebody who really understood the needs of the people. So I say this and there's no point of us talking about something without putting it into action. So inshallah, just as in the previous year, we spoke about the lives of the prophets and we had a whole series that run over a whole year, talking about the lives of the prophets from Prophet Adam salam, all the way till Prophet Isa salam. Inshallah, starting this Tuesday, in this masjid inshallah, after Asr salam, we'll continue this every week. We're going to be starting the seerah of the beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now it's become very easy for you. No one's asking you to read. No one's asking you to exert any effort. All you have to do is attend. Pay attention, take notes if you want to. And this inshallah will continue for maybe a year or beyond that, however long it takes, to cover the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam from beginning to end inshallah. Every Tuesday, brothers, sisters, children, children, youngsters, elders, everybody is welcome to attend. Starting inshallah from this Tuesday, Asar Salah just on Tuesday will be at 7.30 inshallah. Everybody will try and attend inshallah. Please make an effort. This is not something that we do by choice. It's an incumbent necessity that we understand and study the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam because Islam is the seerah and the seerah is Islam. You cannot separate the two. Without understanding the seerah, we will not have a true understanding of Islam. What representation of Islam will we give to other people if we haven't understood it ourselves? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a true understanding. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.